Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, that as rich guys would do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Bet you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. This is my advice to you. I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, go bros. What's up? I got Mr. Johnny E on the line from Philly. What's up, John? Welcome to the Abundance Podcast. What's up, Pat Hyben? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, let's start this off uh, uh, with a bio first, John, and then I'm going to get into what's going on in Philly uh, right now with COVID and everything. But all right, so why don't you give us a little rundown, John, on, on like uh, your deal, like the day you were born till now, story of your life. Couple, just three minutes. Yeah, okay. Three minutes. I'll hit it as quickly as I can. So Born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. A lot of people know it as Rocky Balboa Town, but um, grew up in a I would a rougher section of the city, and it it actually helped benefit me a, a lot going uh, growing up in in that neighborhood, and uh, had to learn young to be uh, to be tough and kind of always ready to um, to hold my own and not make any excuses. And I uh, grew up with my parents and two older sisters, loved sports. I was always in sports every, uh, every season, played something different. Um, I was out of my house quite a bit. My, uh, there was always turmoil in my house between my parents. So I didn't love being at home when I was a kid because there'd be yelling, screaming, or not talking at all, right? So there was never a middle ground. And, um, and that was interesting. But... When I was 14, my parents uh, separated. My mom actually moved me out of that area, which in hindsight, I think really saved my life in a lot of ways. She moved me out to the suburbs, uh, a safer environment, and uh, put me in a different school. I was getting in trouble a lot in the school I was in in Philadelphia. And uh, I, I hated every moment of it at that time in my life when I was 14, 10th grade, you know, going into a new school, new area, not knowing anyone. And so I kept to myself pretty much that first year. And then junior year, I, I started really growing in that uh, high school and getting to know people. Uh, I was playing sports at a, at a pretty high level and uh, specifically running track, running hurdles. Uh, my junior year, I actually met uh, 
my now wife, my then girlfriend, I was 16. Uh, yep. We started dating. She was a cheerleading captain and I was in love with her. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it, it was very, uh, a very good experience. And, uh, then my senior year graduated, I went to, uh, college at 17. I was recruited division one to, for, um, tra- uh, hurdles for track and field. And, uh, yeah, I thrived. I mean, I, a lot of things changed the summer between my senior year to going to college. And I really wanted to focus on school, I wanted to get good grades, I wanted to do well in sports. I wanted to eventually become a physical therapist, uh, get my doctorate in that. Uh, graduated college with a, uh, a degree in exercise science. Uh, at that time, I was engaged and three months out of college, married Christine at 21. And uh, I was doing a, a, a business business sales at that time, because through college, through the through the four years, I started selling Cutco cutlery. I know a lot of the GoBros are familiar with that, and quite a few of the guys uh, were very successful. So I, I had a four-year run with Cutco and grew into that. Anyway, went into sales, absolutely hated it. I hated every second of the company I was working for. And my wife said, uh, hey, we're, we're poor anyway. Uh, why don't you go and see if, if you can pursue your passion as a trainer? So I went and found out, uh, starting out at that time in 2001, it was eight bucks an hour to, uh, to be a personal trainer. And I, I, uh, I wasn't so sure, but I took the leap. And um, what I did immediately, Pat, which was interesting, was I found the number one trainer in the entire company. Now, you've probably heard of uh, New York sports clubs, Boston sports clubs, Washington sports clubs, and there's a Philadelphia sports club. So there's hundreds, if not thousands, of these gyms across the, uh, the East Coast. And I found the number one trainer, and, uh, and I shadowed him for the first few weeks uh, where I didn't even work. I just, I just watched what he did and how he interacted with clients. And I said, uh, I'm going to eclipse what you do. And I was cocky. I was 21 at the time. And uh, he was laughing at me like, uh, yeah, this young kid, I've heard that a million times. And so I spent that year really honing my skills as a trainer. And, and the next three years, I was actually trainer of the year for the entire East Coast. And then I launched my own business, uh, Strength Personal Training. Uh, my wife and I had our first son at 24 years old. Uh, Luke, he's now 17. Uh, and uh, so then I started, I was running my personal training business growing up with kids and, uh, and it was awesome. And then we bought our first investment property at 25 and, um, we, we kept on rolling. We had all three kids by the time we were 29 and, uh, we've done some amazing things and, uh, we built some, some cool businesses and some, some really cool flips and some great rentals. And, and here I am today, you know, joined GoBundance a few, two and a half, almost three years ago. And, um, man, loving this tribe. And I love you guys. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. And I see you shaved your beard for today's interview. Just for you. I was going to shave my head. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Hey, man. So speaking of growing a lot of hair, which everybody seems to be doing lately, like what, what's going on with Philly? I saw in California that uh, all gyms are shut down. Mm-hmm. So what do, what do you know? You know, I mean, Philly was – I mean, uh, Pennsylvania was pretty tough uh, last time around with the shutdown. They, they wouldn't even let real estate aid. They were the only state in the country, only state of all the states, not to allow real estate agents as essential businesses. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going to happen this time around? 
Yeah, so they already went into quarantine again two weeks ago. So they've shut down all indoor dining for uh, for restaurants in the city. Um, the facility that I run my business out of is is, is a, considered a gym. So all gyms in Philadelphia are also shut down. But really since March, I've had to uh, pivot my business. It's interesting, Pat. Uh, when 2008 came around, my business took a pretty big hit because I'm not essential and a lot of my clients owned real estate and, and were entrepreneurs. And so I had to rebuild my business then. And I thought to myself how I built it. And what I did was I, I have a lot of elderly clients that are very wealthy. So I figured, okay, I'll insulate myself. So it's recession proof, right? But it's not pan pandemic proof. So, uh, you know, built, built a business. It'll be 20 years, uh, December 23rd, as I started as a trainer and, uh, and, and COVID crushed it, especially the Philadelphia area is, is very challenging, similar to California. I mean, things are shut down. It's hard to get around and people are afraid. Uh, you know, Mayor Kenny's done a good job of making people afraid of to go out and interact. So I've, I've been doing more virtual training. I do in-home stuff. Uh, but the cool thing, Pat, right? So here's the silver lining. So I've gotten myself to a point where I'm over 100 percenter. We'll talk about that later. And I've always said like, hey, you know what? I can stop at any time. Like I've put my time and I've put in 12, 15 hours a day, six days a week. I've trained professional uh, athletes. I've done it all. I've done 30,000 hours in this business. And yeah. um, this COVID has really shown me that, yeah, I don't, I don't have to kill myself. I can just have a few select clients that I absolutely love to train and keep working with them rather than running, you know, running around 12, 15 hours a day. It's interesting because that's the type of person I am, a very hard charging person, but this whole COVID has allowed me to step back and start evaluating things. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, it's kind of true for everybody, you know, it's kind of, uh, I mean, I know in, in multiple ways, right? We're all evaluating. I mean, we could talk, we could talk an hour about evaluate how, what's changed with the, how we evaluate so many different things. So, yeah. Anyways, let's let's move into your one sheet questions, John. Uh, first of all, you say that uh, you said earlier you're a hundred percenter. What is your horizontal income currently? Uh, currently, my horizontal income is one hundred and eighty thousand a year. That's net. So yeah, so fifteen grand a month. Very nice. What's your what's your uh, personal bills? Uh, they run uh, just over. Well, it's actually less, but. I wrote down 8,500. It comes out just over 7,000, but I figure there'll be miscellaneous in there. Yeah, so, that's uh, low, dude. I mean, it's not. I can, I can actually, I went through it. I could read, I could literally read. Yeah. Okay. Bit. All right. Well, well, um, yeah. So you're all, you're basically a 200 percenter then. Close. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Close to it. Close to it. Good for you. Um, and, uh, so what is paying you 15 grand a month? What, what asset classes, where are they? Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, they're all located in Pennsylvania. I started specifically just in Philadelphia uh, and the rentals. So they're both single family uh, rentals and uh, small multifamily rentals. Oh, and wow. uh, a couple years ago, thanks to Jason Griggs, he uh, dragged my ass out to Scranton. I never would have thought of Scranton, uh, which is interesting. But there are some really, really good uh, small rentals that you can get in Scranton. Small multifamilies, I'm sorry where the caps are pretty high because Philadelphia is it's hard to buy there now uh, and get, get good cap rates. Scranton, that's, that's funny. I, I kind of remember talking to him when, they, when they, 
he bought something out of screen. I mean, that wasn't too, that long ago, right? It wasn't what, four or five years ago or something. Uh, I was. It, it was a couple years ago, I think, when Jason. Yeah. Um, and he owns Montage Mountain, which is in Scranton. And he's in the middle of like a, I want to say it's like a hunt. He's putting a hunt. There's 160 million going into a building. I just bought a half block away from there. So I'm just kind of like the, the the little fish that's swimming with the whales and just, just picking up with where they're going. Yeah, well, you know, that's what Timmy Rhodes' uh, whole investment philosophy in life is, is basically ride in other people's wakes, you know. Yep. And um there's a lot to that, and it's a lot less brain damage, too, right? <laughs> you know it's, I mean? it's actually funny that you mentioned that because I had that written down. So I listened to Tim on, I forget which podcast it was, but he was talking about surfing in other people's wake. And I thought, hey, that's a really cool concept, uh, but I had never done it. And just this, just this year, yes, as of yesterday, uh, was the fourth investment that I'm, I'm making in uh, different syndications. And if this was 12 months ago, I would say I'd never do it. And I've done it now four times this year, which is really cool. And I think, well, the, the, well, the tricky part is, of course, you know, the, the, the jury's not out on those syndications yet uh, if you bought them all this year. But, but the, yeah, I get the concept, right? I get the concept totally because, uh, you know, especially if the person running the syndication has a proven track record, right? Like they've done this, you know, 10 15, 20 or more times before, and they can show you that, you know, there's a horizontal income of X amount on average on each one. I mean, that's 100% riding in someone else's wake. Less brain damage, no no stress, and yeah, it's good stuff. And, 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 and you know, and there's a diversity of asset classes too because you're going from single family to multifamily, which generally rise and fall together, but not necessarily. So uh, I, I always think it's, it's, it's great to have both. I know I have like eight houses and then I have, you know, right now five apartment buildings that I'm in syndications that I'm in. So, yeah. The wrong tribe confounds the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. So anyways, good stuff. All right, so let's talk about some other things on your one sheet. So your horizontal to net worth ratio, H to NW. Your H2NW, horizontal to net worth, what percentage is your horizontal to your net worth? Yeah, so my net worth uh, is 2.2, so, and uh, the horizontal is at 180, so that puts me right around an 8, 8%. That's pretty good. You know, it's, it's actually really good. You know, most real estate investors or people that get horizontal income from real estate end up around two to four percent so eight percent is really good it's, it's actually hard to get anywhere close to 10 unless you're getting your money from a business because uh you know because because these values of these properties they go up and then as they go up right our return on that equity or return on that total value diminishes because when we bought it you know we might have been getting a, a a 10 cap or, or, or whatever, we might get 12% cash on cash, but the 
the more it goes up, right? And the more it's part of your net worth, the that number gets smaller if the rent doesn't increase proportionately, which it generally doesn't, right? So um, yeah, I've been I've been kind of lucky with that, Pat. In in areas when I didn't have the money, I was buying in uh, rougher sections of Philadelphia that have gentrified. So that jumped my net worth. But also, as they've gentrified and uh, tenants have moved out, I've I've rented those properties, and so I get a high amount of rent for it. So you, do you uh, do any Section Eight? I did. I don't do any Section Eight now, but I used to. Hmm. I've got about four or five there, Section Eight, and I, I'm I'm starting to think that maybe those are those are solid, right? Because it's the future, right? I think if you think about a case K shaped recovery, the bottom of that K, right, is the is is the people in these shitty, like uh, I should say, in these D level D D properties, right? D single families in these tougher neighborhoods, they're the ones that are going to get killed by this lower K and not be able to pay rent. But if the government is always going to be able to pay the rent and, and the people are going to be looking for more and more handouts from the government. So, yeah. um, I don't know how like, section eight works there. I know in Philadelphia, it's actually kind of cool. So when you get a section eight tenant, it's a, it's 24 months. And then the government just directly deposited as you know, Yeah, direct deposit. Yeah. That's what it is in Baltimore where mine are in, and generally, you get about 20% above market as far as rent. So, Yeah, you do. And in Philly, they have uh, Section 8 has their own police force. So if you're... <laughs> really? Section 8 will go in and, and re like they'll get them out. Yeah. And it's an eight-year waiting list. So people... On, I think Section 8 gets a really bad rap because people on that list, they don't want to ruin anything. They ask me like, John, can we paint this wall? Can we do this? Can we do that? Because they're afraid of getting removed from it. That's, that's, that's great. That's, and that a lot of that's natural, right? Just, Hey, they got an eight year waiting list. It's not the government's fault. There's an eight year waiting list. So I love it. All right. So, uh, let's talk about some other numbers. All right. What about your debt? You know, uh, what a lot of times, you know, go bros, we talk about these numbers, you talk about horizontal income net worth, stuff like that. Uh, and, and, and so I always like to ask, what is your debt to net worth ratio? So if 2.2, 2, like, like uh, if, 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 and this is recourse debt, this is debt that Correct. John has I, signed personally to your net worth. What would you say it is? Yeah. I've heard other guys talk about getting non-recourse loans. I've, I don't have everything I have uh, on my properties are recourse. So uh, I have that number at 1.4 million. Okay, so that would be, you know, basically seventy percent. At least eight hundred. Yeah, times six. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's okay. So I mean, uh, we like to say try to get it around fifty or less, but it's not bad. I've seen some go bros recently that have been at you know in the nineties, and I think that's wow. ludicrous. But uh, if 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 you want to get there fast, I mean, uh, they're building some serious net worth by leveraging. So. Um, yeah, and that's been a conversation my wife and I have had about because I own some of my properties all outright, and so we could throw mortgages on. But I I want to stay around sixty percent. I don't I don't want to stick my neck out too far. Yeah, I just found a guy who's actually a referral from Stephen Hatcher, GoBro, and also uh, GoBro uh, Sam Wigert's using him now too, and he just approved me for loans against a bunch of my rental properties that I unsuccessfully have been able 
that I have not been successful over the past three years to get loans on. Like I, like I can get commercial loans on them, right? But the but the loans the, the rates expire in five years, and you yeah, know it's going to be whatever they what they're going to be at that time, and the rates are generally around six and a quarter or so. So it's just not it's just not ideal. And uh, this guy's been able to, and he's approved me. I, uh, you know, again, the jury's not out yet, but hopefully. I'm going to take, I'm going to cash out equity on three or four properties, I think. And, and, and it's going to be 30 year money Wow! in, in the twos. So what? it's like, wow. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I'll talk to you in a, two months and I'll, I'll confirm it and you can talk right. to Hatcher too, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. So awesome. All right. All right. Let's move on, buddy. Let's talk about your happiness right? What, what is your uh, life happiness index number, your LHI? LHI. So I actually hadn't done this before in, in preparing for this podcast. I, I did it. Um, my life happiness index is 8.9. 8.9? Yeah. Woo! You're, you're happy, dude. That's good. I am, I am pretty happy. Wow. I usually, you know, try to find out what's low, but not much is low. What would you... So what would you say two, is low there? There were two things that were lower uh, than the others. Uh, one was diet. And that's, I mean, I was on vacation the past few weeks. So I think that was at the top of my head. Uh, ironically, like there was some Christmas miracle that happened, Pat, where I didn't gain weight. I have no idea why or how, uh, but that happened. So I got to get back on my, on my diet grind. And then future planning, uh, because... I've lost so much of my training business this year with the instability with COVID is I'm, I'm looking now to make a larger impact on the world and um, use the gifts that I've been given to help others. So I don't know what that looks like quite yet. And uh, I plan on doing a lot of reflection in the first quarter of 2021. I, I do feel my life going in a different direction and, and a greater direction. Good for you, buddy. I'm going to try to do the same thing next year. You know, I, I, I love what, what the, what the one sheet and what goal setting really does. Cause it kind of wakes us up in a sense, you know, I woke up when I just did my goals uh, with my go pod and I woke up and I'm like, damn, you know, I'm on the give back. I'm like it realistically, you know, everybody likes to throw around uh, round numbers. So how much did you give the charity? 10%. If they say 10%, they're full of it. Right. Because, you know, that's a lot of money, right? If you make 300 grand or, or, or a million, you're, that, that's 30 grand or a hundred grand. And, you know, some people do that, but very few do. And, and uh, the fact of the matter is a lot of the GoBros that I interview are more like one or 2%. And I looked at mine and I'm like, wow, my numbers are just so low. I really haven't given back to charity. So that day I just, I texted a bunch of people, including my kids and uh, wife and, 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 some other people I knew and I said, Hey, give me the name of a charity. Cause I'm going to do a hundred. I'm going to do 10. I'm going to do 10 grand a day by the end of the day, five o'clock. And I just, I did 10 charities at a grand each. I'm probably going to do it again. I, I might even do it every quarter. I don't know. We'll see, but it was kind of fun. It was nice for them. And, and, and a bunch of them, several were go bros, just like random charities that didn't expect it. So. Dude, uh, that lights know. me up, Pat. I love that. And it's interesting. Um, one of the things that my parents actually did very well with, well, they did two very well things with me. One, they always told me I can do whatever I want to do in life. And that to a young kid is inspiring. Two, they always said, be generous. And uh, so ever since 
my wife and I were making a little bit of money, we always made it a goal to tie. Now, were we at 10%? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we were 8%, 7%, but we were close. And so when you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with a lot. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. That's good stuff, man. All right. So, um, you know, we are on the pillar of authentic relationships. I always try to cover all six pillars on this podcast. And, you know, I was really trying to think of a, a question to ask the, uh, in addition to the life happiness index. And this is the one I came up with. You're the second person I'm asking this to. But it would be, John, if you were to die today, who would be your six pallbearers? Oh, wow. That's a great question. My best friend, are pallbearers on now? You know, traditionally they are, but they don't have to be. <laughs> All right. Yeah, traditionally okay. they are, but I've, I've been to funerals with, with women pallbearers. I mean, okay. I, I, I think in the past it's like they, they haven't had them just because it's, it's a pretty heavy thing. But I've been a pallbearer a couple of times, and it's, it's only heavy when you, like, lift it off of the, off of the, the slab or whatever in the beginning and then while you're carrying it it's not heavy but anyways we're, yeah. we're, we're digressing so <laughs> give me your six so i have two very very close friends ironically both named sean uh different spellings so sean and sean i would say uh both my boys would be my cousin isaac who i grew up with four months apart and we still see each other all the time we train thai boxing together mm. uh he would be one of them What's that? One, two, three, four. I need a... Yeah, one more. My dad. Your dad. Boom. There you go, buddy. So that 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 shows that you definitely have authentic relationships. And, uh, you know, and that leads to your high life happiness score. I, I really think uh, that high happiness, and we're learning this with COVID, uh, is in relation to the people that you have authentic relationships with, right? I mean, I don't... You know, if you have... It's... it's unequivocally correlated so i can see why your number's so high so let's move on to the the third pillar of abundance which is age defying health your favorite uh so how much do you weigh john 215 all right what's your uh, body fat percentage body fat is 17 percent. all right and tell me about your diet so first of all i'm going to tell you about a diet fail which is why i'm doing this <laughs> now when, when COVID hit, I like literally, did, did you see the Avengers, the second one? I think it's maybe age of... Yeah, man. My, my kids are 24 and 26, so I haven't... Anything... <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't talk about that then, uh, because my best friend called me Fat Thor because Thor was drinking beer in the second one and he gained weight. Anyway, when COVID hit, I was basically, I turned into Party John. You turned into like, Fat Thor. <laughs> I turned into Fat Thor. So in August, I, I stepped on the scale. And I was 231. And I've always, I've always been between 200 highs to 20. So it's 231. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I am fat. This is not acceptable. Like, no client even wants to train with a fat trainer. Like, fat trainers, that's... that's <laughs> False profit, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's I, true, though, right? I, I, you know, it's like a doctor who smokes, right? Yeah, I, I say... doctor I, and he smells like cigarettes. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, drug dealers shouldn't smoke what they sell, but trainers should. So, uh, you know, I, I reverted. I got right on. I, I've been doing paleo uh, off and on for many years. I, I love, I just love that. Um, and it works well with me. 
So since August, I've been sticking pretty close to paleo. I've dropped to 16 pounds. And uh, where I'd like to go with it, I like to get under 210. Uh, I'm usually not, but uh, ultimately I like to be right around 205. I'm getting old. I'm in my 40s now, and I, I don't, you know, I don't want extra weight on my joints and my organs. So I'd like to be somewhere around 205 and below 15% body fat. I, I, I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Good goals. I'll, I'll write them down and keep you accountable to them for sure. Uh, and you should definitely let your GoPod, your GoPod is, is, is being way too nice to you uh, on that. You, they should be giving you shit. And <laughs> I'll let them know. Hoping you, yeah, tell them I said so. All right. So let's uh, talk about exercise, your favorite. What is your exercise routine? So I, I mean, I'm in my profession for a reason. I absolutely love to exercise. So I run four days a week. One of those days, I'll run five miles. The other three days, I'll run three miles. I, I love Muay Thai. Um, I've been doing that for 13 Muay Thai? I don't even know what that is. Uh, if you've seen like MMA, it's the, it's the, it's the stand-up. It's the, it's the contact. So it's punches, elbows, knees, kicks, all of that. Okay. So all the contact outside of the grappling, which is the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so mm. it's, MMA is really Muay Thai blended with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you have a cage fighter. Crazy. Yeah, so um, I do that four hours a week. Uh, okay. And then, and then I lift one to two days a week. So I'm putting in about eight to nine hours a week of exercise. Okay. So that, that's, that's interesting. And then when you train somebody, what are you generally training them? Are you doing high intensity interval training or, or are you doing Muay Thai or what, what do you, what do you do? Yeah, it, it depends on the client. Every client's different. So I, I train clients as young as, you know, high school athletes where I'm completely training them for sport. Uh, right now I'm working with uh, the, um, the captain of the wrestling team from the high school where my kids go. I'm working with a varsity tennis player there. I'm working with another kid. He's a lacrosse and soccer player there. And then I've trained professional athletes and I've trained more of the obese. I've trained younger kids. I've trained your everyday person. So uh, what I do is very, very specific to the person. It's tailored to their goals. So some of it's going to be hit uh, depending on the person. Others, if, if, if they're training for uh, a marathon or, um, you know, Ironman or uh, powerlifting, I've, you know, I've trained. In, you can do it all. Yeah. You can do it all. All right, all right. So let's move on to pillar number four: genuine contribution. Let's talk about your GBR, Mr. Edwin. Your give back ratio. What is your GBR? GBR. So the amount that you gave divided by your adjusted gross income. Here it is. So uh, this year, I'll finish in giving uh, just over thirty thousand dollars to different charities. Nice. Um. My net income is just over five hundred thousand this year. So about seven and a half. Pretty good. Yeah, but that that also though it says here uh, time spent. So I've also oh, given, yeah. given a lot of my time as well. Um, I didn't count that in. I didn't. What do, what do, how do you give your time? So uh, one of the things that I've been involved in since day one with Johnny Broman is the Front Row Foundation. So anytime, anytime they have a, uh, a charity event it locally, usually my wife and I will be a part of one to two events a year for them, which takes mm. a lot of time. 
Also, I'm part of the uh, leadership council at my church. And that's a governing body of like eight or nine of us that oversee everything. And it also has a, uh, a preschool attached to it. So we kind of make sure that, uh, you know, we, we set whose salaries are what. We make sure everything's going smoothly with the church and the, and the preschool. Uh, so we have a couple, one or two meetings every single month about that. I coach my kids sports, which I absolutely love. And then the Philly leadership, uh, myself and Mark McGuire, uh, we tear it up, man. We talk every few days about what's going on in Philly. And, and that's honestly how we stay so consistent with the, with the local tribe. Nice. All right. Good. I love it, dude. Well, you're out there. You're getting it. You're getting hands on. That's that, that's awesome. Very good. Very good. Number two, seven percent, seven. And it's probably more like 10 or 11 or 12, uh, which is high, like I said. So that's man, you're crushing it, dude. Um, all right. So now let's move on to pillow number five, extreme accountability. Uh, who's in your GoPod? GoPod is uh, Martin Iden. Buddy Martin, funny that there's two Martins there. Yeah, both yeah. great guys. Great guys. Uh, Matt Kessler and James Stewart. Nice. Man, that's a good one. And how often do you guys meet? We meet every other week. And we've been, uh, the three of us, myself, Martin, and Buddy, have been together since we first joined GoBundance. So that really? Good for you, bud. Three years in January. We've seen a couple people go in the in the process here, mm -hmm. but us three have, have been together since day one. It's kind of like that, you know. I'm in two go pods, uh, one with David, Tim, and Mike, and another with um, Jim Sheeler, Saul, and Aaron West. And you know, you see people that come in and 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 are gung ho, and then they just stop showing up. And a lot of them are just too busy, you know what I mean? And they're not they're still involved in other things in the tribe, uh, but they just don't have the consistency uh, aspect of it, or don't want it, let's say, the consistency after, which is fine, you know, but... Yeah, that's uh, totally fine. You know, I get it. Cool. But, you know, if, if, if I'm setting my time aside and uh, you, you text the day before, the day of... Now, if you give us advance notice, if it's a week or two weeks, you're like, hey, I got this crazy meeting. But if it's like within 24 hours, like, dude, you, you really don't value my time if you think your time is that yeah. bad. Yeah. So have you guys met outside of Zoom? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we've been lucky where um, Martin and Buddy, Martin drives from Manhattan to uh, a lot of Philly meetings. No so kidding. We've been lucky, the three of us, to get together quite a bit. Uh, James and I have been good friends for uh, 12 years now. He joined GoBundance. I sponsored him. And Matt Kessler, I met him for the first time in uh, Aspen. And he's going to be in Tahoe. Uh, with oh, sweet. Great. All right, so let's talk about your biggest business goal for the next 12 months. What is it? Okay. I've never purchased uh, 10 doors in a year, so I think that, that would be a pretty cool goal to achieve, or maybe a 10-unit building. I've always been purchasing small ones, two, three, fours, versus something big like that. Yeah. So it scares me a little bit, but um, what the hell? That's what goals are for, right? Yeah, no, that's great. You know, the tricky part, and again, don't do so, don't do something just to do it. Like, you know, and this is just my experience. Some people kill it with these. I had an 18 unit that I bought. I'm just thinking about it now. I probably could have killed it if I just held on to it, but maybe not. But anyways, uh, what I found with it is it was hard economically to scale the management of it. Like it was in a, it was, it was kind of a, like a C minus D plus uh, neighborhood. And the, um, 
like a lot of the tenants wanted to pay cash and all that crap. But, um, and uh, so I, uh, the manager, it could have been just me picking a bad manager. She ended up spending, it was almost like she had a full-time job just managing 18 tenants with all the little things that were going wrong with each unit and all the tenants problems. And then that was, you know, that was a while ago. That was probably 15 years ago. So it may have changed, but just be careful. I would, when you do the numbers, I would just make sure you, you amplify the, the management aspect of it, whatever costs you're putting in there for management. Cause it is, uh, it is more work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and there's no way that I'll be managing it. So uh, yeah, we thank you. All right, cool. And so what about a personal goal for the next 12 months? So my wife and I for years have talked about flying out West, renting an RV, and then, you know, just going for three or four weeks with the kids. And, you know, there was always something that came up where the kids were too small. And now I'm looking at my three and my oldest is 17, middle's 14, youngest is 12. And the oldest um, you know, in a year and a half, he's probably going to be off in college somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, that time is closing really quickly. So within the next 12 months, we'd like to actually fulfill that goal of, of renting an RV with the kids and driving through the West and just checking things out. That's great. Like there's an app now, actually, you could you can drive other people's RVs. I heard people doing this like, you know, it, it's, a, it's basically like a Airbnb, but for RVs. RVs. So you could fly to like California, drive your RV around California, drop it back off and then fly to Florida and drive another RV, you know, down that way in case you don't want to like go all the way across just trying to, you know, waste time. You want to get where you want to do different national parks, uh, whatever, you know, there's ways you could could rent Grand Canyon and all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. And let's, uh, let's finish this up with the sixth pillar, which is bucket list adventures. What, what abundance trips have you been on, John? I've uh, been to Austin twice uh, with you guys and a uh, couple, couple local fan abundance stuff. And then right. I was in uh, Aspen. I'll tell you Aspen last year. I've like, you know, I skied Pennsylvania, Pat. I don't know if you ever skied Pennsylvania, but it's like, yeah. Pretty- yeah, yeah. Uh, blue, was it Blue Knob? I used to do Blue Knob and uh, Liberty and what the hell's that other one called? Liberty and Round Top. Okay. <laughs> Those are all in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you, just, you just go straight down. It's like two minutes. And, it's all ice, yeah. And it's all ice. And you're lucky to live the day. But when we were in Aspen, Pat, it was just, I mean, I was standing up at the top of that mountain at 12,000 feet and I was looking out and it, I mean, like I had tears in my eyes and I was freezing, but it was amazing. And you're, you're going down these, these slopes that are 15, 20 minutes. I, I just, I had never fathomed any, any type of speed <laughs> like that. That was, it was amazing. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird when you're like, your legs are sore and you're like looking around you're like damn i'm only like halfway down i don't even know <laughs> you know what i mean like i know but but it's it lasts so forever it's so beautiful it gives you energy yeah all right so let's talk about uh some uh, john edwin's greatest hits so if i you know every country music star is a greatest hits album and i want to see john edwin's greatest hits album give me three greatest hits of your past from zero to today um three really poignant moments that uh 
were just special to you outside of the cliche answers like, you know, a child being born or, or your wedding day or something like that. So what, what would you say three, you know, yeah, I've heard, really I've heard, cool. I've heard you shoot guys down for saying, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they got it's too easy. Cause they got four kids. They go, Oh, well, here, each, each kid was born. I'm like, That's yeah, crazy. you gotta think about this answer. I was, I was, <laughs> I was a little more prepared cause that would be probably my, my answer. Uh, about five, five years ago, I went to a missionary trip to, uh, east africa for three weeks and uh really three yeah it was weeks. where where in east africa oh my god it was a uh, ethiopia and kenya Jeez. yeah i went i went with a group called community.org and what they do is they provide clean water to communities that uh mm. don't have clean water so they it's called boreholes uh but it, it's a well uh but the, but so they're 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 supporting uh they're financing wells being being built and then um and then women in education uh, over there, uh, women are girls actually that are 12, 13 years old. They're, they're getting basically sold off to grown men that are in their 50s to be another wife and childbearer. And um, and community's goal is that if, if you if you educate the woman, you're going to change the village. And uh, so so it's a pretty cool vision. So we went over there to look, you know, to look at all the, the projects of, of the wells that were that were being built and to check in on the sponsorships. And uh, before I left, I actually just asked my clients like, hey, you guys wanna throw in some money? I don't, I don't know what it's gonna go towards. Like, let's just see if, if we can help somebody out, right? Wouldn't you know it, I get there and um, there was a kid that was supposed to be sponsored. He was young, he was maybe five at the time. And uh, cause a lot of these kids, they go to these schools when they're sponsored to get educated and also to uh, get, get a, a meal you know, two meals a day because their parents can't provide it. It's just so impoverished. And, um, and the, the girl that, that runs community, Kristen, she was like, Hey John, you know, we got this opportunity here. You know, this, this sponsorship fell out and I went, I counted the money and it was like $561. And it, it turns out you need about 550 to 600 a year to sponsor a kid. And the, it goes further than that, Pat, the kid's name. Well, in English, it would be Caleb, but it's Caleb. Uh, I think it's K-A-L-E-E-B. My youngest son's name is Caleb. And they were the same age. So the kid's wow. like 11 now or 12. And my son, Caleb's 12. And he's he's doing great. And uh, it, I was, that was a really cool experience. And, you know, we went to areas that uh, to check on a school that we that we support. There's no hotels. We had to, I'll tell you a funny one. We, we had to camp out and we had tents. We were backpacking with tents because, you know, and these people had never seen anyone outside of their own community so like i had a kid rubbing my arm thinking that it was makeup <laughs> that there was black under there and really my arm and we're driving down the road and apparently somehow they see american tv and these kids are running up they go john cena i was wearing a tank top it was hot that day they go john cena john cena I'm like, oh wow that's nice i don't know, you know I don't you... anything like john cena <laughs> I, that's so funny you know what I get in Asia? And this happens all the time, and everybody that knows me says it's absolutely ridiculous. Guess who I get in Asia? I've been to Vietnam, Japan, China, Taiwan. I always, everybody says the same thing. I'm going to say uh, Howie, the comedian. No. No. All right, who is it? Tougher than that, tougher than that, stronger than that. Oh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Bruce Willis, man. 
Bruce Willis. I, I get that all the time. I even get that when I go pick up Chinese food. I'm like, I don't look anything like Bruce Willis. But you do. A little who knows? Bit. <laughs> yeah. but, oh, man, that's awesome, dude. All right, so let's uh, wrap this up, dude, with a, uh, a spin of the GoBundance app. You wanna, are you ready for that? Yeah, let's do it. Let me pull it up. I'm not prepared. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Go Bunnets card game. Generate random question. Hey. All right, John, what did you learn from your greatest failure? I love that question. So when I was 25, I decided I had some money saved from training. And uh, a friend of mine uh, proposed the idea of opening a yoga studio. And this is 16 years ago. Yoga started just taking off in Philadelphia. Now, my buddy, he, he's 15 years older than me. So if I was 25, he was 40. And uh, I just jumped at him. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I'm in. So we went, we went in 50-50, became partners. Uh, by the way, I don't teach yoga, and neither does he. And <laughs> you were just betting on the come, huh? You were like, yeah, this thing's going to take off. And I even think to this day, I don't know how the story ends, but I even think to this day, it, it's, a, it's a labor of love. I don't think these, these ladies, being stereotypical, but the ladies that open up yoga studies make a killing off of them, you know? No. So, so I, I just, number one, the first lesson was don't just go with uh, someone because they're older and you think they have more life experience. Yeah. I just went, I just went head first in. We, we opened the studio. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, we had to hire all the teachers because neither one of us taught yoga. And I learned quickly as well that the yoga profession is a little different from other professions in that they, they may not show up on time. They may not show up that day. They may show up that day. There's a little bit of, I don't want to call it flaky. I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful. I think yoga is amazing. But long story short, it failed miserably. And we kept pouring money in every month to make this thing run. And I learned that before jumping into a business or a business idea, I really need to do my homework and not just trust the people that are already totally fired up from it. Yeah, that's a good one, dude. That's a good one. I've had the same sort of mistakes, right? Where, you know, at the end of the day, investing is a game of dopamine, right? It's like, it's like you, you probably did this. And I know I, you know, I've made investments where I was excited to talk about them. If I'm at a bar and someone says, what do you do? And I'm able to say, well, actually, I just invested in this. And you love talking about it. It's dopamine, right? But yeah. it doesn't mean that it doesn't equate to like being a profitable business, right? It's kind of like what Warren Buffett said, like uh, uh, the, the best businesses economically are the boring ones, you know, it's still like insurance or, you know, yeah. something like that, you know. But anyways, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's good. And bottom line is, yeah, it, there's a lot of things that equate to whether it's going to work or not and one of them isn't necessarily the age of of your partner it's really the it's really the proven track record it goes back to what we said about syndications right it's the proven track record on anything right like if he had done seven other yoga studios and he could show you that they're all making 100 grand a year boom no brainer 
Yeah. But just because he's 15 years older, it doesn't mean a thing. That's a good, that's a great piece of advice. We crashed the bird. Yeah, man. <laughs> wow. And you got a story. You got a scar from it, so that's good. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, good catching up with you, John. And uh, I look forward to uh, uh, breaking some bread with you in the near future. Amen. I'll see you in a month in uh, in Tahoe, man. So so thankful for this time, and thank you for reaching out. And I appreciate you guys so much. All right, ditto, bro. Good to talk to you. Cheers. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life, and I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you